Hawk Talk is brought to you in part by the Monmouth Medical Center and RWJ Barnabas Health Facility and a recognized leader in patient safety and clinical quality. For more information about services close to you, visit rwjbh.org slash Monmouth. Let's be healthy together. You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. And here are your hosts, Greg Viscomi and Gary Kowal. Well, Gary, here it is. We've been pumping it up for a couple weeks now. Episode number 50. Big milestone. Got a pretty good followership. I appreciate all of you. Uh, We said we'd have a big guest, and we have a big guest. Uh, We took took, took a couple weeks off. Just got kind of crazy there. I know... Sometimes I get some text messages and people are like, hey, there was an episode this week and the show does have sponsors. So, um, you know, sometimes just life gets in the way. And, and life in this case is really just Mammoth Athletics. Yeah, as it usually is. Well, congratulations on 50 episodes. You're the um, you're the stalwart here, 50, mm-hmm. 50 straight. I'm the, the late comer. Um, shout out Eddie Acapinti. Mm-hmm. Got this started. Um, so congratulations on, uh, on 50 episodes. Thanks, man. Pretty pumped. Pretty pumped. So, here's the deal. Uh, normally, we wrap for a little bit, and then and then we kind of get into it. But uh, our guest today uh, is is very important, and he's got uh, a lot of stuff to do. And I don't want to waste any more of his time. Really juicing him up here. I am juicing him up. I got him. He's a great guest, and he's every time we've done anything media wise, it was great. So uh, I I hope that I didn't screw up. He's calling all the way from uh, I guess Nashville. I haven't really talked to him. Um, he's he's a world traveler. Uh, our guest today is uh, Bryce Wasserman, former uh, Monmouth lacrosse player, uh, former professional lacrosse player, uh, current NFL legal team member. Um, Bryce, you still there, man? I am here. I appreciate that was quite the intro. You know, <laughs> I wish I was. I wish I was in person, you know, either at Kessler Field or at Jack. You flip a coin, and and I wish we were we were talking from from there. But I am here in Nashville. I am here at the office, and we're we're grinding things away in OTAs, getting ready for September. So that's awesome. So so people are, are we'll, we'll get to that in a minute um, because people about, are like, how about Bryce pushing for the live show at Jack's? Uh, <laughs> we can take this to Jack's, hundred percent. Episode one hundred. Episode one hundred. I'll come back and do that. All right, bet. We're going to hold you to that. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know how to really structure this this week's episode because there's a lot to talk about with you, but I, I guess let's just run right into it, man. You, um, you you left Monmouth, and then you go and just you kind of dominate the MLL, right? Uh, winning a championship there, if I'm not incorrect. Uh, we did. We won the 2020 championship in the bubble. Oh yeah, oh Ronies, that's right. Um, yeah, so, so just you know what? Let's we'll take it by piece by piece here. Uh, you leave Monmouth, score a boatload of goals, uh, very prolific score. You know, you, you go to an NCAA, and then um, then what was next in in your career? Yeah, so what was next in my career was professional lacrosse. Um, some people may not know that that exists, and that's okay. Um, it was the time of my life traveling the country with some great guys from all over plopping down in different cities all across the U.S., playing some very, very high-level lacrosse with some of the best people to ever do it. Um, off the field, shared some great memories with those guys. So, yeah, I mean, it, 
I was I couldn't have been more sad to leave Monmouth, but I guess if I had to leave and I had to pick a path, I would have done it as the second to last pick in the major league lacrosse draft and then set myself out across the country for the next what was that, five summers playing playing lacrosse professionally, traveling around while while still being a, a bookworm and, and finishing up some school. Take me through the – I'm curious. I, I I think I knew it was 2020, but I didn't really put the bubble aspect into it. What was that like? Was that was that totally insane? Was it, like, you know, kind of normal, or was it somewhere in the middle? No, it, it was mayhem. I mean, I, I love pro lacrosse, and I hope one day it'll get to the place of, you know, the NHL or the MLB or something where it's a, a full-time profession. But uh, pro lacrosse is interesting. My other four seasons, other than the bubble season, you don't necessarily live in the city that you're playing in. For the most part, you kind of plop in on Friday. You get to that city around 5, 6 p.m. You've got like a 9 p.m. practice, a 10 p.m. dinner, a 10 a.m. shoot-around, and then a 7 p.m. game. Uh, Hang out with the guys after for a little bit, and then you're on the 6 a.m. flight back to wherever you came from on Sunday. So that was always an interesting dynamic. And led to some some very weird schedules, but I, I wouldn't trade the minute of it. I think that's what made the experience so unique. And I say all that to say that the COVID bubble was was obviously weird for a lot of sports, but for lacrosse, it it was one of the cooler experiences I've had because we were all there, locked together in the same place. And for the for the time that we were there, however many weeks it was, I completely forget at this point, but that was the longest I've ever spent in the same place as my professional teammates because usually it was just quick 72 hours in and out. Uh, so being able to spend that extended period of time with the guys like that, whether it be hanging out in the cafeteria or eating food together or watching film or on the whiteboard, playing catch even just in the parking lot of the hotel when we were allowed to, it was it was definitely one of the cooler experiences being able to have that extended period of time together like other sports get to. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think people – I didn't know that, that it was kind of like get to the host city on Friday and then by Sunday everybody's just scattered. Uh, so to most people, I get – is there like a travel secretary who like sets up your travel? And I'm not necessarily talking about you, but like in general – or is it just kind of like fend for yourself? Hey, you got to get we. You have to be in this city by this time on Friday, and, and you figure out how you get you know when and how you're getting out of there. They take care of our travel, and all of the ops teams were always so great about everything. Really, just you get the schedule. Um, actually, I think the schedule came out like recently for the guys that are still playing. Unfortunately, my time has passed me. But usually, you get that schedule, and you just go on and screenshot your preferred flight for that weekend, pick your airline, pick whatever you want, send it to the ops person and the league would get it all booked for you and you'd, your travel would be all set for the summer. So that was all, it was always smooth sailing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was chaos, but it was, uh, it was definitely interesting kind of being weekend warriors like that. It made it, made it very interesting. So, excuse me, after the MLL, you ended up playing in, in I, you know, in the PLL now. What is the PLL now? Um, how did those two kind of things, uh, those two experiences kind of differ? Because uh, I don't know if – I only know this because my kid is in love with lacrosse. But the PLL, like, you don't have a home. They're just teams. And they travel and they all go and they'll all play at one stadium. And then they all go and they play at another stadium. And they kind of travel around. It's almost like a like a circus. And I don't mean that in a negative connotation. Like just a tour. Yeah, like a tour almost. Um how was that kind of different, that experience? 
Yeah, I usually comp it to NASCAR, right? Because right, NASCAR good. just kind of and they'll they'll have their different events, right? There's like a truck race, there's the like the JV race of sorts, and then there's the big race on Sunday, and it's just like that one weekend plop down in that city. And if you like NASCAR, then you better get to that city, otherwise you're gonna miss it. So that I think that was kind of the the model that the PLL took when everything kind of merged into one. That was their idea to boost ticket sales. And it worked, right? Because you plop down in New York or Boston or Charlotte, Ohio, wherever we were that weekend. And if you were a young kid or a lacrosse fan and you wanted to see professional lacrosse in your city, you had one weekend and you better be there. and You better be in that stadium. So I'd say that it helped attendance a ton, which is always great playing in front of packed stadiums. It was definitely weird because no one had like allegiances to cheer for, I guess. You know, team team A scores a goal and everyone cheers, and then team B scores a goal and everyone cheers. <laughs> which is, no one's necessarily booing anyone. There wasn't much home field advantage, but having having those stands packed like that, it, that that part of their business model definitely worked. Greg, uh, or I guess you mentioned before that you were uh, second to last pick in the in the draft. Um, did you see a path to winning the MVP after being drafted in that spot? Yeah, you know, it was, <laughs> that draft night is a whole story in itself. A ton of our, uh, my mom and teammates were over at the house. I never even thought professional lacrosse was a possibility for me in general, let alone getting picked, let alone winning the MVP in a championship. Um, I remember there was just some mock draft that someone did on like InsideLacrosse.com, and they had me picked in the, like, fifth or sixth round or something like that, I saw that. I was like, oh, wow, Like this is, this might be a reality. All the guys <laughs> saw it. We got it. We got like five pounds of Buffalo Wild Wings, brought it over to the house. We're watching this draft, and I'm obviously pumped. We get to the round that they projected me to go in. That round comes and goes. I don't get a phone call. So now I'm really sweating. Like, wow, these guys are about to watch me go undrafted <laughs> while I'm sweating watching the draft and eating these hot wings, which are making me sweat even more. <laughs> so we're – we're sitting there on the couch that that round goes by. We creep into that last round and each pick keeps going by. I'm like, wow, this is, this is actually not about to happen. Second to last pick comes, I get the phone call. Everyone, it, it was such a buildup that it, it was such a cool night to have that celebration because it was such a long buildup up until that point. Um, but yeah, just getting drafted. I mean, it was just like, it was baby steps from there, right? Like I got drafted second to last. I knew it was going to be an uphill battle just to make the team. Uh, like going back to how we're kind of weekend warriors, it's not like you've got Monday through Thursday of practice to, you know, prove yourself against the starters. Maybe if you're on the practice squad or something like that, right? Like you just fly in on Friday and you practice and you get out of there. So you pretty much have like an hour and a half window to prove yourself. So I knew that whenever I got my shot to go practice, that was step one. Then I need to prove myself well enough to show that I could play in a game. And then once I played in the game, I needed to prove to my to my coaches and the team that I was good enough to stay in the lineup. <laughs> so it was a buildup from there. So I think once I got to stay in the lineup and I earned a starting spot, then the next goal was, you know, okay, what's, what's next in here? But it was such a – there were so many ladder steps in between there. It was definitely not a jump from, all right, I'm the second last pick. Time to go win an MVP. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, how much – how many times did you have to explain about Monmouth? I mean, it's a young lacrosse program as it is, nine, ten years, whatever it's been. Uh, but then, you know, majority of these guys, not a majority, but a lot of these guys are Big Ten, ACC, 
you know, guys or guys that have been in, in the league for a while. And then he, you come rolling in for Monmouth, like our first professional player. Uh, was there a lot of people like, oh, you know, what's a Monmouth or they have lacrosse? Like, did you take a lot of flack like that? Uh, maybe not flag. Honestly, all my teammates were jealous that I went to school so close to Parker House and DJ's. <laughs> <laughs> all, all those, wonderful. All those, Clip that Long, out. <laughs> all those New York, Long Island, Philly guys, they, they knew of Monmouth and the location just because of how awesome it is, right? So all they wanted to know was what school on the Jersey Shore was like. And then honestly, from there, I took it kind of as a badge of honor, you know, all those all those Duke, UNC, Maryland guys, they would all take pictures post-game like with their college teammates, and there'd be eight, ten of them together in a picture all from the same school. I kind of took it as a badge of honor being the kids from not one of those blue blood programs, you know, and showing not only kids from Monmouth, but just at that time the Mac and, and any of those other uh, like schools below, Duke and all them, you know, without that ACC pedigree that, you know, you can, you can make it here if you set your mind to it, right? I always took that as a badge of honor. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I, I don't want to get into to you know going to law school and and, and what's what you're doing right now yet. I, I'd I'd like to just kind of think back to like your time at Monmouth and and obviously Coach Fisher's still here and Coach Keeson are still here and um now we're in the CAA and what was like kind of when you found out that we were headed to the CAA, which is, you know, it's a, it's a big boy lacrosse league. I think we found out this year that, you know, with a young team, we went out and, and, and there were a lot of games that we were in for a while, uh, just couldn't get over the hump. And I, and I expect that to change, but, um, you know, what did you think about Monmouth getting in the CAA? Obviously, you know, your family's well-versed with Towson, who's in, obviously in the, in the CAA, um, just kind of us getting, getting into that league. Yeah. So like you said, my dad played college football at Towson, and my younger brother played college across at Towson. So I had heard plenty about how awesome the CAA is and how cool it is and blah, 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 and how how much better it is than the MAC and everything. So I, I had heard plenty of that, and I, I stood up for our fellow MAC brothers. But uh, <laughs> the move, move to the CAA, I was so pumped because that's just, you know, it's a different kind of pedigree, right? Like when not only athletically, but academically, to be included with a lot of those schools in that conference, right? It, it says a lot about our athletics department and our university in general. So just, just that alone, I was so pumped. And then obviously lacrosse specifically, the CAA has been a powerhouse conference for a long time. So I was very excited for mom and just to get there and get involved. They're going to get a different level of recruit and a different level of competition week in and week out. And I couldn't be more excited for Coach Fish, right? I mean, you could look back all the way to – 2017, the year I got, to, the year before I got to Monmouth, we went 0 and 13, and you know there were close games all over the place, much like you could say about this year with them and their move to the CAA, right? And then you blink, and three years later, we're winning a conference championship. We're a top 20 team in the NCAA. We're going to the NCAA tournament. It does. It doesn't take much. It takes a, a group of guys that are are bonded together with one common goal in mind. I think that's what we had back on on that team in 2017, I have a pretty good feeling coach fish will get him going in that direction. In the CAA. How, uh, I'm sure I, I probably know the answer to this, but to shed some light to the audience, um, how connected are you still to the program? You're still able to, to watch as many games as you can you still talk to coach Fisher and, and, you know, stay in touch with what goes on here. I do love staying in touch with coach fish. It's kind of funny. Our, our communications have slacked a little bit because we've got coach Resco now, who's just the missing link between all the <laughs> alumni and the, 
and the current coaching staff in the current locker room. I mean, I couldn't be happier for Resco. I know how much he loves the game and how much he loves Monmouth University. So I'm happy he's, he's back there on staff. I know that kid is giving it his all. He's probably lost his voice 14 times already before noon today and the season's over, right? Like, right. So he's, uh, I'm excited for Resco. He's definitely kept all the alumni in the loop in a great way. Coach Fish reaches out to everyone periodically. You know, I'm I'm not as involved as as I want to be. Uh, we had this tiny thing called the NFL Draft just wrap up on on Saturday. So hopefully, I'll be able to get more involved. Like I said before, we got on the phone. I think I'm having like Monmouth withdrawals. I need to get back up there and get a uh, get a chicken vodka wrap from Gianni's. I need to see campus. I need to get some. Uh, some wings from Jack's, you know, I, I need to get back. I, I am truly having withdrawals, so I'll it, see y'all soon, hopefully. It, it sounds like the food is what you might miss most of all. Yeah, I, I kept it PG on that one, so hopefully all, <laughs> all my This is a family <laughs> program. This is a family program. All my teammates know where to meet me after 7 p.m. That, that, there's no question about that. Speaking of your teammates, who, who are you kind of keep in touch with the most of the guys, you know, that you graduated with? Honestly, all of them. It's been kind of funny. Um, moving here to Nashville, it's a, it's a destination city. So I've had a few of the guys roll through here um, just recently. I mean, my roommate, Alex Tafar, Drew Wilson, uh, co-captain Garrett Pfeiffer came by with his now fiance like two weeks ago. They were on a little trip. So there, there's plenty of people that roll through here. And then there, I mean, half the team came by when I was living in Miami. You want to talk about another destination <laughs> city? <laughs> yeah, what's I, next for you? I know. I get I, maybe Vegas is the only way I can up where I've been, but <laughs> they've. Uh, I it's been it's been funny. I've been able to keep lots of friends. Maybe it's because they they actually like me and they're friends with me, or because I live in cool places. I guess I'll never find out. But it, it's been it's been really cool to be able to see the guys and. I hope I'll be able to make it back to one of these alumni weekends coming up because I definitely miss that that camaraderie on campus. Coach does a great job of getting everyone back for a weekend. So I, I definitely miss it. I definitely miss all the guys, but it's been cool to see everyone roll through these past couple of years and the other places I've been living. So we already kind of touched on it, and, and obviously you just mentioned it. So while you're, you're in the MLL or while you're playing professional across – uh, you're working on getting your your JD. You're working on getting your your law degree down at the University of Miami. Um, how come? Like, what you know? What made you want to go and get get a law degree from not from Miami, but in general? Yeah, so I think it all started while I was at Monmouth. Uh, Monmouth doesn't have a law school, but they do have a legal studies minor that I was uh, very active in with Professor Tetro. Um, we spent plenty of hours together working on things and honestly, I, I just liked the classes. So I took more of them. I took enough of them to earn a minor. I was a finance major, but by the time my junior year rolled around, I just felt myself more gravitated towards those classes. Um, so that's when the topic of the LSAT came up and I looked at a list of schools. I was like, Hmm, the university of Miami looks like a, a pretty great place to go to law school. Uh, what score do I need to get there? I found that out. I went and took the LSAT, and I got that score, and I got into the University of Miami about, like, six weeks later, I think. So uh, it came together pretty quickly, but uh, like I said, I think it was just that, that minor that I took at Monmouth, and just, I could just feel myself gravitating more and more to those classes and further and further away from those finance classes. So I just knew that 
that it was something that I was really passionate about and wanted to give a shot. How um how difficult was it to balance playing professional lacrosse and getting a law degree? It was really hard. Um, I was lucky that professional lacrosse is over the summers. So for the most part, there wasn't much overlap. Really, the only time there was overlap was in the fall. Um, our training camp wasn't until Memorial Day, so we were done with finals and done with school. Everything was kind of out of the way by that point. Um, but during the fall, I think we overlapped by like five weeks. So I worked very closely with the dean at the University of Miami, and we worked out a couple a couple side handshake deals that would allow me to leave campus on Thursday nights or Friday mornings and get to the city we were playing in, play the game, be back on Sunday, do some makeup work, and and kind of make it work for those first six weeks of the semester. But the, with that overlap time was definitely some of the the longer days I've had academically. Sure. Did did you come to a point, I guess, where when you decided, like, hey, now I have this law degree, I should probably utilize that and 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 move on from lacrosse or what was that? I'm sure that was a pretty big decision for you. What was that like? Yeah, it was, it was tough. I mean, my, my playing days in the PLL, um, they were, they were dwindling very quickly. Um, and I was fortunate to play for as long as I did, you know, and everyone kind of dreams of that day that you pull a John Elway and ride off into the sunset, right. And you get to end your career in your own terms, but the, the timing worked out really well. And I actually, I played, what was that? Two games at the beginning of this past season. Um, there was a need on one of the old teams that I played for, the Chaos in the PLL. Um, coach told me to come out to camp and see if we can make it work while I was still studying for the bar exam. Uh, while they had some some changes to make in their roster, I played those first couple games, and then that was kind of the end of it. Shook hands with Coach in Charlotte, and then started studying for the bar exam from there. So it was it was definitely an, it was an interesting ending, right? Like it. It felt like there wasn't really a bow tied on the end of it, but being able to, to kind of know that I was in those final days and really soak it up as much as I could was was definitely special to me. Um, but yeah, so when the bar exam studying started and it was pretty much seven to seven every day, I was like, yeah, I think I think lacrosse might be over, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's no it's no joke, but. Uh... Seems to have worked out pretty good. So, so did you always want to get into kind of sports law? Were you looking to be an agent? Like, you know, kind of what was the idea behind getting? You don't, you don't strike me as someone who was like, yeah, I want to go be a trial attorney. <laughs> I thought about it. I thought about it, but uh, no. So, the, one of the reasons why I chose the University of Miami was because they have a sports and entertainment law program specifically, just due to the the nature of. Miami in general, right? It's the <laughs> sports and entertainment hub, and we were able to just kind of attract top talent in terms of professors. I mean, honestly, half my professors weren't even professors. They were practicing attorneys in the space, whether it be uh, Demory Smith, the head of the NFLPA, was one of my professors. Andrew Brandt, who was a VP with the Green Bay Packers, was one of my professors. Uh, the list goes on and on. It just these very Mike Tannenbaum, who's on ESPN right now, um, commentating on the draft and everything like that. Former GM of the Dolphins, he was one of my professors. So that the strength of that program was why I chose the University of Miami. And while I was in school, obviously my summers were a little bit booked and I couldn't do internships. But during the year, I was able to to work. I worked at the Orange Bowl as a legal intern. I worked as an agency intern at CAA in their hockey division after that. 
Um, so just kind of getting a, a feel for everything. And then after my second year of law school, before my final year, I came here to Nashville and interned for the Titans. And that's when it was a done deal. I saw Nashville, I saw this building, and I knew that there wasn't another place I wanted to be. So so now we, we've kind of come full circle, and we'll probably spend a good chunk of time on this because it's, it is just a really awesome job that you have. So kind of kind of take us through, like, wh- what is your title and kind of what are you doing day-to-day, I guess, as far as, like, you know, as much as you can talk about. I'm not asking you to get yourself in trouble here. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll disclose what I can, but my um... – my title here, I'm the manager of football strategy. Uh, technically, if you wanted to go through my job description, really I'm a football lawyer for our assistant GM. We went through a regime change here in Nashville where we hired our new GM, Rand Carthon, who hired his assistant. We hired Rand from San Francisco, and he hired his assistant GM, Chad Brinker, from the Green Bay Packers. And Chad is a he's a former football player. Ohio University. He played in the league for a little bit, and he also got his MBA from the Kellogg School at Northwestern. So he's a football guy with a very bright analytical mind, and he wanted someone to be a lawyer underneath him to look at the nitty gritty of these player contracts and help him with the salary cap and things like that. So it was a perfect fit. I was already here in the building uh, doing business law for the team. So when when Rand got hired and he hired Chad, it was a no brainer to to go and help him in that way. So that transition for me happened in February. Pretty, I think it was the week of the Super Bowl was when I was when I started for Chad. And ever since then, it hasn't stopped. We went right into free agency, you know, looking at salary cap and, and offers to players and tracking how um, what positions were getting paid what and what guys were going where and just kind of tracking that whole thing during free agency. And then you pivot to draft prep, which is, obviously a whole full-time job in itself we've just wrapped up on saturday we feel we had a very successful draft here in nashville and now we're full sights set on uh september you know trying to get our roster in the place that we needed to be to compete and win football games so that's where we're sitting right now we're kind of pivoting from draft time to all right these guys these are the guys we've got in our building let's let's try to put them in the best position to succeed so for me right now, it's a lot of, um, I call it research, research and, and analytics on a lot of player contracts and salary cap around the league now that things have settled down. Um, teams have signed the guys they're going to sign. They've drafted the players they're going to draft. So now we can kind of take stock and establish a stock market of sorts of, of players and positions and what guys are getting paid around the league just so we can be better prepped for the season. What, uh, obviously – couple of football fans here, um, a lot of big football fans in our office. Um, watching the draft, and we get, we get a, a peek of you in the war room. Um, I would have, I mean, I have to ask what it, what it's like in there. Um, is it the mass chaos that everybody kind of depicts, or is it a little bit more controlled chaos? Or what, what, what is, take me through a day as much as you can, obviously, without getting in trouble. Uh, take me through the first well, round in, in the war room. Well, first of all, I I mean, I clearly blacked out when we made our pick because I forgot to put my computer down as I'm just clapping and slapping my computer, just forgetting it's in my hands. So <laughs> next, next, you'll notice on day two of the draft, if you caught a peek of me in the back, the computer was down on the ground. I was not clapping it on day two. So I definitely had to, I had to learn quick to keep your composure when those picks go in and, and remember to set your computer on the ground. <laughs> but, um, Anyway, everything is televised. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, realizing that there's a camera on you, you can't look like an idiot clapping your computer in front of however many million people. That was awesome. But uh, in terms of in terms of what it's like in there, I like it's not like the movies or whatever you see. Right? There's just there's so much prep work that goes into it. Right? Like we're prepping for the draft before the season's even over. Right? Our college scouts are on the road and and they're getting these guys on the draft board and and ranking players and writing reports and. There's so much prep that goes into this um, that really it's not a high stress situation. You're you're prepared for every scenario. You know, us picking at pick eleven. You've got scenarios based on who goes where. And I, I'd say that it's it's a very it's a very calm situation, which is kind of shocking for me to see. Right? Like, it, but you're just, you're so prepared that nothing really catches you off guard when you're in there. Well, it's certainly awesome. And you know, we're all watching the draft separately at our houses or whatever. And then when the Titans are picking and somebody's like, yo, Bryce is just on TV. And then like our just phones blow up and we're laughing. And um, it's just, it's just so awesome. And, and you're in such a, a, an amazing place uh, with an amazing job. That's for sure. Uh, I have a, a very football specific question because, you know, for us, you know, we've had three, two, three players drafted over the last like 10 years, but a, a lot of our in quotes, mammoth damage is done. Uh, when the draft is over with, with the undrafted free agents. And I know just from talking to some of our players who have signed contracts, it's it's hot and heavy. It's quick. You're, they're making calls. They're making decisions. What w- What is that that like, right? You, you The seventh pick, you guys get your you know seventh round pick. You guys make your final pick. And now it's like, okay, who are the list of guys that we want to call up and offer mini camp invites to or uh, undrafted free agent um, deals to? I'm sure you're involved in some of that stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially with the way that undrafted free agent kind of bidding works, you know, with its own separate pool of signing bonus, that definitely is right on my alley. So it was, it was a fun process to get to learn. Um, with it being my first draft and only two months of prep time, I definitely wasn't as involved as I as I will be moving forward. Uh, just the, the window is too tight to get all that dialed in. But I, like you said, it is pure chaos. Like that seventh round hits and you've got your list of guys that, yeah, you make a list and you think that they're all going undrafted, but some of them don't go undrafted. They'll get picked. So you're crossing out guys to get picked. And then once you've got that go list, you you kind of start making calls. And you, you know how many guys your team needs, right, like based on what you draft. If you draft X amount of guys at this position, that means you only need to sign X amount of guys at this position. So it it's all kind of being prepped in your brain as that draft goes through. And then once that – once the draft ends and Mr. Irrelevant's off the stage, it is it is chaos going to get your guys. And I, I was pumped to see a couple of Mammoth guys get some shots around the league. I, I, I'm very excited to see what they do. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, we've got a few guys suited up on Sunday here in September for, for whoever around the league. Yeah, definitely. Uh, during the season, you, you get to go down and, and watch a little practice, or are you, uh, you just locked into you know whatever your day-to-day stuff is? Um, I guess I'll let you know once the once the fall rolls around. In my business law, in my business law rule this season, so this past season I was not in the position I'm currently in. I was a business lawyer upstairs for the team, so no, I was not at practice. I could hear the music thumping through the walls of the <laughs> office, which definitely made me jealous. But uh, but so far during OTAs, I've been able to be out there while we're while we're prepping the season, and, and it, it's it's been cool to see and. You know, to stretch your legs and get some sunshine during work and watching NFL practice, I definitely can't complain. So hopefully that continues through the fall. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. I got to ask you, um, 
So, so a bunch of us in the office are Eagles fans. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Philadelphia season ticket holder. I'm and, one of the non-Eagles fans, but still very interested in this question <laughs> and answer. So, uh, when the I Eagles, have a wild guess. I have a wild guess where this is going. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ask you anything about AJ Brown. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. I want to give whoever that was a hug. Uh, but, but. The Eagles and and the Titans play. It was a game I could not attend. My dad and I sold our tickets or whatever. And once again, in everybody's living rooms, there is a great shot of Bryce Wasserman <laughs> in in the I would assume the Titans owners box, just getting harassed by Eagles fans. Uh, you know, I, I thought you did a great job, just kind of smirking and and holding your drink or whatever it was, but. Uh, what was that like, number one? And two, I, you know, we I, we follow each other on Instagram, and um, I'm up there at Lehigh taking pictures of being on the Lehigh field when we're about to play football, but you're out there at Nissan Stadium and, and all these other awesome stadiums. So um, what, what's that like? You know, what's that been like getting to kind of see all these different stadiums? So I guess that's a two-parter. Okay, so I'll address part one first, the, the fine folks in Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> you can say what it I, is. You can just say what it is. I, we all know. I mean, it, you you got a target, right? Like you, right. It's it's a random suite in the stadium with a bunch of people in suits, and it's the same suite for each visiting team that rolls through, right? So, right. so every fan in that section knows. Okay, whoever is up here in suits behind us is associated with the Titans. So I, by the time that video was recorded, I think that was after AJ's second touchdown on us, which was in like the third or fourth quarter. That was probably the 400,000th middle finger I had received <laughs> on that day. You know, so that's, a, that's why it was. It was a, old news at that point. Book. Yeah, by, by that point, it, was, it had been going on for about three hours. So, um, <laughs> so that, that could explain the, the stoic look. Um, yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's fun. You, you know, did a great job. Like when, when you've got people that care so much, right? Like, you know, you come back to work on that Monday, and it it means something, right? Like being a part of it, and it it means so much to so many people. You know, it is motivation of sorts. You know, when you see people, you see people like that get so excited about their team. You know, you want to give your fans that same feeling. So I I will say it, it was motivating in a sense, but the stoic look came from that was just that was hour three of that of that whole process. So that that's kind of where that's where that came from. But in terms of you know, traveling the country and seeing the stadiums, I I tell my family all the time, I will never get used to this, right? Like, just a, a kid who grew up obsessed with sports and being able every weekend to go to these different cities and walk into these different stadiums, it, it's a feeling I don't think that I will ever lose. You know, those butterflies that you get walking into a stadium like that. I remember, specifically, I can tell a story, we're up in Green Bay um, getting ready to play the Packers on Thursday Night Football. And it is a cold and kind of misting snow a little bit night. Pretty much exactly what you'd expect at Lambeau Field. <laughs> right. I, 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 went on the, I went on the early bus to the stadium because I just wanted to, to be at Lambeau and take it in. And their visiting locker room is a little bit of a walk away from the field. And it just so happened I ended up being one of the first people down in the field. And there was a moment where it was li- literally just me at Lambeau Field. There were there, – there was no one else on the field setting it up. Our guys were still in the locker room. Green Bay was about to show up to the stadium. There may have been a couple people setting up some TV cameras, but I sat there on the bench by myself. I was like, 
this is this is unbelievable that I get to do this every weekend, right? Sitting there at Lambeau Field by myself, taking it all in under the lights for a night game. Like it, it's a it's a feeling I definitely don't think I will ever take for granted. You know, so like I said, being able to travel around the country like this and and see all these stadiums and be so close to such an incredible product that you know millions and millions of people watch every weekend it's it's something really special yeah it definitely is and you know i know i'm sure you've got a ton of, of titan fans now that are just just pulling for you like you know i know j- just the fact that i know you're, you're working in there and you're representing monmouth university uh it makes us you know everybody around here like pay a little more attention to the tennessee titans as well for sure so that's pretty awesome um you know, just in closing a little bit, I just, you know, I want to say thanks. You know, you've always really represented this university in the, in the greatest light, and you always make time for us whenever we're asking you to do something crazy, like a whatever the newest thing is, a podcast or recording a video when you come back. And um, I know you're busy as heck, and for you to, to carve out 40 minutes to – to get on a podcast and rap at me and Gary and kind of give us a little insight as, as to what you've done since you've left Monmouth university. You just, I can't tell you how, how much we appreciate that. No, and I, I appreciate just staying involved, right? Monmouth is a very special place to me. It's the best years of my life. And I'm, I'm just very thankful to Monmouth and I couldn't be more proud to kind of wear Monmouth as a badge of honor as I'm wherever in the country trying to, trying to win some football games. I mean, coach fish took a risk on, a 16 year old kid with braces and a Justin Bieber haircut and offered him a spot on his team. And <laughs> that was, that was what, 2013 or something like that. So, uh, I, I owe, I owe a lot to mom. And I couldn't be more thankful. Coach fish took that risk. Well, Bryce will let you get back to it. Cause it is the middle of the day. And I'm, I'm you know, in a brand new position just a couple months ago, we, we don't want your bosses to be like, all right, this guy's going to be out doing media all the time. But uh, we, we do appreciate it, man. And, and next time you're back in, in West Long Branch, make sure you stop by and uh, keep repping the M. I will be back very soon. That is a promise. All right, buddy. We're going to take a quick, uh, quick break. And Gary and I will come back to wrap up some of the things we got going on on campus. A uh, couple short minutes. Edison Heating and Cooling provides full HVAC services to businesses and residents in Central Jersey. Visit EdisonHVAC.com to schedule your repair or installation today. Tita Green, New Jersey's finest indoor golf training center and recreational facility, now open in West Long Branch. 12,000 square foot facility consists of eight Trackman golf simulators, a huge short game area for punting, chipping, and pitching. Lounges, a pro shop, and a custom fitting room. You can go there, get your clubs repaired, regripped, regular on-site fittings with all the top manufacturers. Located at 185 Route 36 in the Monmouth Park Corporate Center in the same building as the Monmouth University Graduate Center. You can check them out online, t2green.com. That's the number two, t2green.com. Follow them on Instagram, t2greengolfnj. Again, the number two, t2greengolfnj on Instagram. Discounts available for the Monmouth community. So, uh, Bryce Wasserman, I really do thank the dude. He, he has been just such a great alum for us. He was a great student athlete for us. And, and what I mean for us, I mean just 
type of guy who just represents the program on and off the field in the best way. So uh, always happy to have him on episode number 50. Uh, wanted to, to do something timely. We were talking about the NFL draft. Uh, took a flyer hoping that he could he could make some time for us this week. Uh, obviously, he did, and, and just, just want to thank him. Uh, Bryce was awesome. Fascinating stuff. Um, cool to talk about some, some NFL, and, and he really is a mammoth guy. And we've talked about it before on this program um, and on multiple other things. I know Coach Rice has talk, touched on it, like, that era of Monmouth Athletics, that 2014, 15, 16, like being around here, it's hard to overstate. We had some really high-class athletes at the time, but they were all close, right? Bryce and Justin Robinson and Kenji Parr Bar. and Reggie yep. White. And like those guys were all friends with each other, and they all keep up. And, and you know, Josh each James, other's games. And, and that whole men's basketball team that was that was really talented and, yep. and won a lot of games. They were all – like how often do you see the, the men's lacrosse – and the men's basketball stars, like, becoming really good friends with each other. It's not a super common thing. So that was really cool. Um, it was a great era in, in Monmouth athletics, and we won a lot of games and, and, and some championships during that time. So Yeah, a lot um, of fun. Shout out to Bryce. That was um, that was cool. And he's yeah. a great advocate. Yeah, and it, what a cool job that he has. Uh, Maybe he could start to uh, push some of our guys to be on the Titans. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's get him Let's uh, get him to, to plant his seeds there a little bit and grow. and. Right. Uh, one day maybe he'll be a GM and we can get him to uh, get some Hawks on, on whatever team he's at. But no, he, he uh, he's definitely awesome. Um, speaking of big weekend, uh, Owen Wright signed with the Ravens. I was awesome. super happy for him. Yeah, Owen had him on the podcast, deserves it. Um, comes from an NFL family lineage. Um, Great kid. Little pipeline going with the Ravens. We got we have a couple guys that have gone yeah. through through Baltimore. Alex um, Thompson, Kenji Bahar. Owen um, is... Uh, Owen. I talked to Coach Callahan about him the other day in, in the hallway after he was chosen, and, and Coach thinks it's a good location for him, and, and I agree. It's, it's You know, you now have a quarterback that's under contract and got a chance to make a mark. And, and running back is a position where, like, you're only one injury or one, you know, bad performance or whatever away from really getting a shot. You and know, they, you're always in the mix. They have a history of, of FCS running backs in that program too, so it's not like that's definitely a program that, that does not, or an organization that does not overlook talent at the FCS level. So, super happy for him. I think he was going down there this week. Um, I think he's coming back for graduation on the 10th, he told me. Uh, so, that's cool. Like, you know, he's graduating, he's going to get his degree. And then, uh, then, as he said, when I spoke to him on the on the, on the phone the night he was signed, like, the, the real work begins. Like, no matter how hard he's worked, he's got to now work harder. Uh, Terrence Green Jr., who, of course, played for us for four years and then, he uh, transferred up for his last year, got a camp invite with the Jets, so uh, hoping that works out for him. Great wide receiver, great yeah, kid. Really good kid. Pumped for TG. That's uh, that's awesome, and hopefully can, uh, you know, make some people notice him during that minicamp. That's the name of the game, right? you got to have yeah. a big big week of minicamp and, and turn some heads and then kind of go from there. But it's a, knows, right? it's a one-step process. Yeah, super talented wide out. Just has a knack for getting open. He's got great hands. Uh, just a great kid off the field. Uh, flipping to uh, the USFL, Kenji Bahar. Now, now I've started watching many USFL games. Uh, Kenji Bahar leads his team, the, the Houston Gamblers. Right down the field, right? Right down the field with like a minute and 12 seconds left. Throws a touchdown pass. Super happy for him. Texted with him a little bit after the game. And just, you know, 
had a tough second half a couple weeks ago through a couple picks through three touchdowns, but then threw a couple picks and um, they ended up losing those games and he took a lot of crap uh, on social media from, from their fans. And it was nice to see him come back and win one for them. So uh, if they can, you know, just get some of the blocking straightened out, I think he could have a good year. Uh, Christian Ronza continues his, you know, he's coaching the linebackers with the Michigan Panthers. I think they're three and O they've had a bunch of defensive players of the week. So, you know, big congrats to him. Uh, Matt White punting for the Breakers, doing a great job there. I uh, saw so he, he. His numbers are, are very good. Yeah. I mean, he averages like 48 yards a punt. Like, listen, the Eagles have no punter on the roster right now. Take we, a look at the machine. We've always, said, we've always said that, that no matter the level, the punting holds, right? If you right. can if you can average 48, 49 yards, it's all about timing. Um, you can do it at pretty much any level. So. Absolutely. So, so pretty pumped for that. Um, couple things I want to touch on, you know, CFL's coming up. Uh, we will have guys in there, you know, Justin Terry's trying out, I believe for the Argonauts. Uh, that's in Toronto. Um, Reggie white back with the Alouettes, Lonnie Moore with the Argonauts. So we have got you covered. Basically Monmouth football has you covered almost 12 months a year. If, if you're trying to, if you're trying to keep up and with who those. doesn't love football 12 months a year, I do. Uh, on the uh, let's get back to the mama side of things. Spring sports kind of winding down. Uh, Cassie Orban from Women's Across uh, set the single set tied the CAA single uh, game with four a single game record with fourteen uh, draw controls. Thought that was pretty awesome. Uh, she came back for her sixth year. Didn't have to. Obviously, already has plenty of education. She graduated from Vanderbilt. Has. You know, really, really, really smart uh, woman who we've had on the show uh, came back and just helped, you know, Mammoth be really competitive in the CAA. Unfortunately, fell literally one quarter short of being able to to make their first CAA tournament. But um, I think the women's across programs in, in pretty good shape going forward. Uh, softball wrapping up this weekend. Baseball's got a co- baseball's the outlier. Them in track, they have a couple more. Uh, so softball's got a big weekend coming up, Greg. I got a. Um... I believe if my sources, Ryan Schwager, are correct, um, they win two out of three against Stony Brook, and they'll be playing in the postseason. So um, big weekend for Coach Salzburg, and we've obviously wished them the best of luck up at at Stony Brook, battling literally for the last spot with with Stony Brook. So Mm -hmm. um, hopefully they can go up there, get a couple wins, doubleheader Friday, single game Saturday. So obviously just get a sweep on Friday, and uh, you're all good. You're good. Don't Um, worry about Saturday. Baseball's got Hofstra this weekend. Three league weekends left for uh, for baseball after not able to play this past weekend because of anybody who lives in the area knows there was no way you were playing any baseball. Deluge. It did not stop raining. Um, and then, Greg, we will uh, transition towards, uh, towards the summertime, which is great to be in the area for, um, a time we all look forward to. But a couple baseball weekends, a couple softball uh, games, and track and field to wrap up still before we um, – before we get to that, we had we had our uh, annual awards on campus, or our athletic department awards. Um, every team awarded a team MVP and a um, leadership award, and then we had some some just department wide um, awards that w- that we give out. Um, the only thing that hasn't been given out, which stay tuned to social media, we're waiting for the end of all of our seasons, is our male and female um, Paul Gaffney Athletes of the Year, um, which we will break down for sure when those are announced, and I'm sure we'll have some. Uh, 
some thoughts on them and probably have some thoughts on them right now, but we don't want to spoil anything. Mm. Um, actually, hasn't even been voted on yet. Yeah, so. hasn't been voted on, but, I mean, everybody's got who they think, and uh, all the coaches get to kind of come on a Zoom and, and plead their case for their, their athlete, and then the coaches get a vote and a couple of the key administrators get a vote, and then we announce them. So, you know, we always – You'd love to be able to announce them before, you know, everybody leaves campus, but it's just not fair to the spring spring athletes. And, um, you know, somebody can go on a run here and, and win a player of the year and maybe get an All-American award, and then, you know, then we're sitting there going, okay, well, you know, <laughs> this person should have been it, but, you know, whatever. So we wait till the middle of, of May just to put out the Athlete of the Year award. So, uh, yeah, keep, keep, it, keep it trained on mommathawks.com. Uh, you'll find the breakdown of the awards there. Uh, just got a release that uh, academic progress rates for the NCAA came out. Once again, Moth did a really good job. Uh, we had four programs with uh, perfect scores over a four-year program, which is really hard. Uh, it's women's soccer, women's lacrosse, women's golf, and men's tennis, and men's cross-country, excuse me, five programs. Uh, so that, that's a really, really big deal. Men's basketball uh, earned a score of 991, which was second in the CAA, and tied for 19th out of 357 programs in the NCAA. That's a huge deal. I That's mean, the awesome. APR is all awesome. about, uh, you know, getting kids graduated, which we all know, you know, Coach uh, Rice puts a huge emphasis on. It's about getting kids graduated. It's about kids leaving. And if they leave, that they're eligible when they leave. And when they leave here, do they go to another four-year institution and then graduate from there? So it's it's kind of weird to be penalized based on if a kid leaves. But, um, you know, I think the whole idea is to kind of – in a world where sometimes athletics, I think from the outside in, has nothing to do or, or, or academics is the least important part of these kids' lives, I, I can tell you that that is not the philosophy of this department and of our coaches. Uh, and things like APR kind of shows, uh, show that, shows that that is true. So – Big congrats. Uh, Gary, we can talk very briefly about what's going on. Well, first of all, what you, how did you feel about the Giants draft? Um, I thought Giants had a nice draft. Um, I'll be honest. I was locked in Thursday night. Thursday night draft week is, is one of my favorites, round one. Um, I do kind of miss when they would just kind of roll it out there on a Saturday afternoon and run right through all the picks. That was fun for me. But um, listen – can never go wrong with certain positions, right? And cornerback is one of those guys that you, you take a cornerback in the first round, feel good about it. Um, all of the mock drafts, which you can kind of take or leave, had uh, the center the Giants took going higher than, than he was supposed to in the second round, and uh, the higher they ended up going. And then they got a receiver from Tennessee who was a Bletnikoff guy last year. So mm-hmm. um, a good draft. The Eagles just continue to draft players from Georgia, which is um, – it's kind of just quirky, right? There's no like plan behind that. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know. I can't explain it, but it's like five. And they players, trade for DeAndre and Swift, they, yeah, <laughs> and they trade for DeAndre Swift, which which is kind of cool. So you know, obviously Howie, who you know, if you had talked to me three years ago, four years ago, I you know I was really down on on him, but uh, obviously he's forgotten more about the NFL than I'll ever know, and he <laughs> continues to prove that. So I was obviously happy with the birds, but uh, yeah, the NFL draft is awesome, and you know, for us. You know, Kurt, you know, just that last day is the day that, like, most people probably are paying attention to least, but for, like, FCS guys like us, it's where we're really paying attention a lot. There's, again, another year of solid FCS representation. Um, I, I 
North Dakota State continues to put guys in the league. I got to find this tweet. <laughs> Go ahead and talk. I got to find this tweet that that Lewis Walker, who is the D-backs coach at, at North Dakota State, used to be the D-backs coach here at Monmouth. Great dude, friend of ours, re- really, really solid guy. He put out this 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 tweet. Go ahead. You, you talk while I find it because it's just – it blew my mind. Well, we'll get, I'll come back to the football when you find that. I do want to give one quick shout-out to our um, – our baseball guys playing uh, pro ball. Um, yeah. Trey Dombrowski, two straight outings with eight strikeouts for um, single-A Fayetteville Woodpeckers. And then our guy Rob Hensey had six strikeouts the other night um, in his second outing for the Daytona Tortugas, which is, I believe, a um, some type of turtle. But, yeah. um, but Rob Hensey um, pitching in A-ball down in Florida. Trey's down in um, North Carolina. So, <coughs> excuse me, shout out both those guys. So I found a tweet. Um, it is from Bison Report, which is a North Dakota State, uh, I guess, like a you know two forty you know two four seven fans or whatever those things are. Top fifty five picks in the NFL draft since twenty twenty one. So fifty five player pick fifty five or lower. North Dakota State has four. Iowa has four. Oregon has four. Wisconsin has two. Iowa State has two. Florida State has two. Nebraska has one. The entire Middle America Conference has one. Minnesota has one. And they had to throw in their rival. South Dakota State has zero. They have four, and I just rattled off, I mean, Wisconsin. If I said to you, has Wisconsin had more than than one player or more than two players drafted higher than 55 since 2021, you'd be like, yeah, absolutely. You know, we all know about Florida State. I think a couple of years ago was like the only time ever they've had nobody drafted. I think they had no one drafted in the whole draft, which is kind of wild. Um, but anyway, that just shows you the dominance of North Dakota State and how good FCS football can be. Um, they got it rolling. Love me some Lewis Walker. Talk to him from time to time. Uh, and, and I'm happy that he's having success out there. No doubt Lewis is, uh, Lewis is the best. And they have a great program out there. Nothing else to say about it. That's it. All right, Gary. Well, episode 50 in the books. Uh, Bryce Wasserman, appreciate him getting on, as we've been saying, and uh, spending some time with us. I hope you guys have all enjoyed this. Thank you very much to our sponsors. Uh, continue to uh, support Mammoth Athletics. No, that does not go in Gary Mine's pocket. Somebody asked me that the other day. Uh, but we're all here for the student athletes and to make their experiences as best as we possibly can. We will catch you up with episode 51. And no, I have no idea who the guest is. production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved.
Hawk Talk is brought to you in part by the Monmouth Medical Center and RWJ Barnabas Health Facility and a recognized leader in patient safety and clinical quality. For more information about services close to you, visit rwjbh.org slash Let's be healthy together.